When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back once again to the Steel Town Sleepers. And oh boy, do we have a lot to talk about today based on that Thursday night just disgusting matchup we saw. But we are the Steel Town Sleepers. We come at you every week from a fantasy football perspective presented by the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, a part of the North Shore Drive podcast family. And if you're watching this on YouTube, the at PG Sports Now channel, give us a like, give us a subscribe, and join us in the hatred for what we just saw on Thursday Night Football. Each week, we're diving in to help you win your fantasy football weeks by giving you guys that might be off your radar that you should either start or stay away from each week and we've been pretty hot the past few weeks especially my co-host mr chris dell himself the sports editor at the pittsburgh post gazette my name is tony squares dell we got a lot going on it's a big time of the week and before we dive into what just happened on thursday night football in front of all of us even with sticks in the building what just happened i gotta say a little bit of a pick-me-up I wrote down some words here, a little bit of a pregame speech. I want to give the two of us to attack this podcast to the best of our ability. And this speech is based off the words of one of my heroes out there, one of the best speakers in the world, Mr. Sean McDermott. So let me go into it. Oh, oh, hold hold on. Sean McDermott. Oh, we don't want to talk about how Sean McDermott pumps up his team. We don't want to get into specifics there. Is that was I off base on that I, I, one? I think you might be. I think uh, you want to shift over to to Mike Tomlin and some JV talk, Tony. What are you talking about over here, man? Okay, good. Just want to make sure we're not we're not getting too off base. We got to be careful with what we say to pump up our our brethren here. Just an idiotic news coming out of Sean McDermott's camp in the Bills. A lot yeah. going on in the NFL, but let's start with the Steelers. Okay, Thursday night football happened. The Steelers just played played two teams in a row at two and ten records and lost to both of them. And the Patriots, who had not scored twenty points, uh, they scored twenty points all season. They put up twenty one points in the first half, ended up stealing that game against the Steelers. Mitch Trubisky. I mean, I know this as a Green Bay Packers fan. Anytime I can bet against Mitch Trubisky, I I do it. But I could not fathom what I was watching out of this team. Dell, uh, how did you feel <laughs> covering the team in Pittsburgh? Yeah. So what I will say is that we've had a lot of great content on the site. I think insightful, thoughtful content. We have four columnists who cover the Pittsburgh Steelers here. Joe Starkey, uh, Ron Cook, Gene Collier, Paul Zeiss. We also have Jerry Dulac, our other beat reporters, uh, Ray Fittipaldo and Brian Batko do great work covering the team. And sometimes you think that, you know, things, things just repeat. It's a cycle, but it seems like new things continually happen with the Steelers this year. And we've been able to cover it from a lot of different angles. And obviously we're going to keep it more to a fantasy focus angle. But for me, when it comes to fantasy, it's it's more about individual player performances and and what it says for their stock moving forward in their career, whether it's this season, whether it's moving forward. And I I think the biggest takeaway for me is just the entire offensive situation with the wide receivers, that even when you have a pass first quarterback in there, quote unquote, with Mitch Trubisky, at least compared to Kenny Pickett, we didn't really see anything improve uh, from the Steelers offense. And one thing that I think that we've seen now that I don't believe will change is Jalen Warren taking over that backfield. That that's a, that's a pipe dream. If I ever had one personally, uh, even in a, even in a week where Najee Harris didn't practice at all. Uh, the reports were before the game that Najee Harris had a 
cranky knee. I've never heard that the words <laughs> cranky and knee said back to back, Tony. I just laughed, laughed out loud when I heard that. Especially uh, with a guy in his mid 20s. Yeah, I, I know, man. And it's uh, even in a game where they're trailing, Najee still almost uh, doubles Jalen Warren in terms of total rush attempts. Warren did have two more targets, and the efficiency isn't there from the pass catchers. We see Tomlin continually need to soft talk George Pickens on the sidelines to keep him from melting down. And, and it, which week to week is the bigger uh, is the bigger wide receiver diva between Deontay Johnson and George Pickens? Because one week it's clearly one, the other week it's clearly the other, and neither are performing. Whether it's a negative game script, whether it's a positive matchup, like it was supposed to be last week against the Arizona Cardinals. So yeah. uh, unfortunately, I wish I could say, you know, we usually come in saying there's one positive, like we're buying Pat Fryer mute. Uh, we're buying the upside of Jalen Warren. But I don't think you can buy any of these guys. I can't trust a single Steeler player in my fantasy lineup for the rest of the season. Now, granted, the next two weeks, Tony, we'll talk about the matchups are fantastic on paper against the Indianapolis Colts and the Cincinnati Bengals. But who's the quarterback going to be? We've got people clamoring. The, the fire Matt candidate chance all of a sudden turned into Mason Rudolph chance. That was ridiculous. Sure that was ridiculous. Can we, bring, can we bring back Devlin Duck Hodges, man? I mean, I mean, come anyway. on. At this point, anybody. Throw Tony Cavallo in there, quarterback. So my long-winded rant of saying that uh, I'm not trusting any Steeler until I see it. And unfortunately, we only never have see it. four weeks left until the finals. Yeah, Absolutely, Dell. So, Dell, that, yeah. that's what I want to say: is you're never going to see it because uh, whether you're looking at the matchups against Indy or looking at the matchups of the future, that's the fantasy playoffs for most leagues. Okay, and I can guarantee you, if you have Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Pat Frymuth on your team, based on injuries and ineptitude, you you aren't in the playoffs. If you drafted those guys high, your team is not good enough to make the playoffs because every one of those guys have underperformed. And we can't fire Matt Canada anymore. This is the team that we're going in with. Yeah. We fired Matt Canada, and now you're seeing the performance as it is. I don't know if it's a coaching thing. I don't know if it's a roster thing. I don't know if it's a, it's a, if it's a player thing. Obviously, everyone is mad. George Pickens, I feel for the guy. He's a little bit of a diva, but I feel for the guy. He's wide open at points, and they're just not looking at him. His yeah. his route chart on targets was straight across. It was it was it was hor <laughs> horizontal to the floor. It didn't make any sense. This is a guy that should be performing like other wide receivers, big body wide receivers that we see, and yet this offense does not draw it out. And even when their backs are against the wall, down awful against a team. A defense that we talked about last week was great against the run in the Patriots. Even how much they were on the field, they were great against the run. And yet still, like banging your head against the wall, this Steelers team went after the run over and over and over again. There was no ingenuity. There was no uh, interest in this offense. There was nothing new, nothing to see. And it was dis a disgusting, a disgusting display of football by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm, I know we're doing a Steelers podcast on a Steelers channel, but I'm going to argue with you next week that we don't need to talk about the Steelers Indianapolis game at all because those players don't matter anymore. They do not matter. This Pittsburgh Steelers offense does not matter in real life and in the fantasy perspective. The scary thing for Steelers fans is that they were what seven and three two weeks ago and had a had a firm grip on a playoff position and now lost two in a row and now must win games against Indianapolis and Cincy who have gotten better throughout the weeks. Yeah. I know we have the Mike Tomlin has finished over 500 for as long as I've been alive. I get that. 
but this is a team that has a strong chance if Mitch Trubisky has to play quarterback or Mason Rudolph has to, if Mason Rudolph's your safer, I'm sorry. This team could finish under 500. This team could lose out. That's yeah. how bad this That's offense cool. is. The yeah. defense, however, if you have the Pittsburgh defense, we can talk about them as a, as a playoff person in fantasy football playoffs. But anyone on the offensive side, I'm out. I'm out completely, yeah. and I don't know how you could be in. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna uh, debate you on this one because it was one thing I, w- I wanted to save after I talked about the offense here. And I'll tell you what, going back to the whole nine and eight winning record thing, at this point, this late in the season, 2023, after the firing of Matt Canada, I think that more than 50 percent of the sports fans here in Pittsburgh or that root for the Steelers worldwide, nationwide, they will say they'd rather have one in 16 than nine and eight, because then you're getting a top draft pick. You know, everyone, my point is, I'm speaking hyperbole here, but my point is that everyone's tired of nine and eight. You know, Mike Tomlin's been the coach now for going on 16, 17 years. He has four years where he's just won a playoff game period. And that's not up to Pittsburgh Steelers standards. I I think that give me the over under on what you think of teams that would have fired their head coach after losing back-to-back games, the two and 10 teams at home. Uh, because in my opinion, it would almost be half the league. I'd have to really sit there and break that down. But uh, I don't think we're seeing Tomlin come back next year. Uh, you'd really? have to see. No, it, because he's already due up for another contract. And everyone's saying that, you know, the Roonies aren't going to be the ones to fire a longstanding head coach like that. But at this point, with these losses, you'd have to see not only a miraculous play, playoff run, but I think you'd have to see at least one or two playoff victories in order for him to have a chance to come back next season. I don't know that's who that's going to be yet, but that's the way it is right now. I think that's a growing sentiment amongst fans. Uh, mm. What I will say, though, <clears throat> Tony, is that, you know, I always I write every week my Post-Gazette fantasy fallout column about 100-plus players to add, drop, stream, stash, etc. cetera. Uh, I, I wrote also last week in my fantasy favorites column, which comes out in our Sunday newspaper, uh, you want to drop the Cowboys defense. They're the number one defense the entire year. They had a, a negative point performance or, or a, a bottom five, whatever whatever that final number was, against the Seahawks. Essentially, they sunk your lineup. Yeah. And the rest of the way in the season, it's extremely difficult. Uh, after this week, you should drop the Pittsburgh Steelers DST because they've been a leaky defense all year. They've given up splash plays in the secondary. They have an inexperienced cornerback group led by Joey Porter, who makes good plays but also gets burnt a decent amount too. We saw Alex Highsmith uh, get sidelined early in that game. We've seen now back-to-back games with T.J. Watt have to get helped off the field. T.J. Watt can't do it all by himself. He's not a quarterback out there. So as good as he is, the rest of the defense has been poor behind him. Minka Fitzpatrick makes a play every now and again. Cam Hayward, not in his prime anymore, still a solid player. My whole point is, I, I, I'll tell you a dirty little secret here. I had the Steelers DST ranked number one this week, Tony. I can't go back and change that. They're locked in to the number one <laughs> spot again at home in a must-win spot against Bailey Zappi. I am dropping Zappi. If they couldn't do it at – look, now granted, the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, he's a, he's a solid quarterback. He's getting better. We've seen him play well in the past. Okay, that's a pass. Against Bailey Zappi at home, against this Patriots offense, who were without Devontae Parker and Demario Douglas, mind you, they're two best receivers, and you let this happen. 
You cannot trust the Steelers DST against the Colts next week on the road. You can't trust them again against Jake Brown, even though they played well against him. He's looking better and better. Then they're on the road at the Seahawks in week 17. And if you're, an absolute, yeah. if you're an absolute nut job like yourself that plays fantasy in week 18, you certainly can't trust them on the road against Baltimore. So I'm dropping. And I, I might actually play Pat Fry. Pat Farmuth, if I'm in a bad tight end spot against the Bengals no chance. in two weeks. No chance. If Mitch Trubisky is my quarterback, no chance. I don't but, but care. Pat Mitch Farmuth Trubisky had, cannot complete a pass 10 yards down the field. We've, we Pat saw Farmuth it right in front seven, of us. Yeah, he had seven targets last night, and the Bengals had been dead last in defending opposing tight ends. He had his best game of the season against them two weeks ago. He's the only guy I would consider trusting in a spot if I needed to stream somebody at tight end. But the receivers, the running backs, get him out, get him out of my lineup. I consider dropping a handful of them, uh, depending on the size of your league. I'd be I'd be surprised if Pittsburgh leaves Mike Tomlin this season. I uh, I also know if Mike Tomlin is a free agent, he'll be unemployed for about two minutes. Uh, and yeah. I, I just there's sure. a lot there's a lot that needs to change, though. That is an absolute truth because right now, and this could be your headline, Dell, the Steelers are a disaster, and that's what we saw last night. And it's it's a tough tough December for Pittsburgh fans. But let's move on to the teams that matter. Let's move on to the teams that might win you or lose you fantasy football playoff uh, berths this week. This is the last week for most of the leagues that we cover. Not my league. Again, I'm a little bit different, but this is a make or break league. You might already have clinched a playoff spot. You might be fighting a guy that's fighting for a playoff spot. You might be dead last in your league and you're playing a dude. You might want to play spoiler. This is the week that matters more than any other week. And we're going to go through position by position and give you some names. We're not going to talk about the Patrick Mahomeses of the world because those are auto starts. We're going to go deeper to tell you maybe guys you you might be on your bench that might have a good week or guys that you've been relying on week to week that might be off. This is it. It's the Steel Town Sleepers section. Let's dive in to the quarterback position. And last week, I'm going to toot my own horn because it's the only position group I did well. I told you to sit Jared Goff. He ended up QB 14. I was right on there, and I told you that Brock Purdy could be QB 1 at the end of the week, and I was wrong. He was only QB 2. But I had my nose, my big nose on those quarterback positions, and I'm ready to do it again. Dell. Who's the first quarterback we want to talk about for week 14? Is that what we're in? Who's the first quarterback we want to dive into? This is it. This is make it or break it. Either, either you've clinched this playoff spot, either you've been eliminated, or you're fighting for a playoff spot here in week 14. So it's a huge week. Uh, what I will say is that there is a tier I want to talk about that I have ranked QB9 to QB15. And QB15 is CJ Stroud on the road in bad weather against the New York Jets. And He's been great all year, you know, maybe even record-setting rookie quarterback performance for most of this season. I love C.J. Stroud. I think he's a future fr franchise star if he isn't already. Mm. Uh, if I've got these guys, I'm starting them ahead of him this week. I don't, I don't care how bad the name looks on paper. I'm just going to rip through a few guys instead of just focus on one guy. I'm going to start Jameis Winston. If he starts this week, I'm starting him over Stroud against the Panthers. I would Damn. start Jake Browning over Stroud. All the Jays, Joshua, literally all the Jays, Tony. Joshua Dobbs, Jordan Love, Jared Goff, Justin Herbert, Jake Brown, and Jameis Winston. I'm starting all of them nine mm. through 15, nine through 14, my quarterback rankings over number 15, Stroud. Once you get into the Geno against the Niners, Lawrence may be on a bum ankle against the Browns. That's when I'd show Stroud. I think he's a mid range quarterback, but I think the upside is extremely limited given the matchup, given the weather. Given the fact that the Jets' offense might not push the Texans, they need to score more than six points in this game. That really worries me for Week 14 if I need a good performance out of my quarterback. 
Dell, I uh, you stole one of my guys, and it, it was C.J. Stroud. And I, I've been tooting C.J. Stroud's horn on this podcast literally all season long from week two till now. I love the guy, and I'm selling Stroud as well. Not only is it a terrible matchup, not only does he have injuries to his favorite wide receiver, a terrible, unlucky injury, it's going to be a struggle to play this game against the Jets. Even if the uh, Zach Wilson gives them a couple of gimme short yardage field, the, you look at the NFL weather report right now, and you'll see like, oh, X degrees, there might be some rain, slight chance of thunderstorms you look at the jets it's definite rainstorms they put the word i've never seen a weatherman use the word definite this many days in advance and they said definite rainstorms during this game it's going to be an ugly ugly situation a very low scoring game the total i believe is almost as low as the pittsburgh new england game was i'm right there with you i'm selling stroud that's the first quarterback we'll tie on that who's the second quarterback you want to talk about I will say another weather game to keep in mind is the uh, Los Angeles Rams and the Baltimore yeah. Ravens. Cause right now I'm talking seeing about that soon. 90% chance of thunderstorms in the jets game. Like you talked about, I'm seeing a hundred percent chance in the Baltimore game there. So you yeah. might only be able to trust the defenses and the running backs in those games. Uh, outside of that, you know, if I'm going to need to start someone above or below the tier that I mentioned, I'm extremely high on Justin Fields. I think he's Got locked up. I think he's locked into lineups at this point, Tony. There's nothing really to say. I, if you've got Justin Fields, I don't see how you would bench him in any scenario. I, I've got – to me, it's the, the running quarterbacks who have the p- passing upside as well. It's Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and Justin Fields. I've got Fields ahead of Lamar, ahead of Dak, ahead of Mahomes, too, of Brock, Purdy, et cetera. I think those guys are my clear top eight this week. But, again, for me, like – you know, streaming options outside of Stroud. If you really got to go deep, I think there may be some upside on guys like Gardner Minshew, Geno, et cetera. But that, that's my overall, I think it's a pretty straightforward outlook in terms of top to bottom at QB this week. So I'm, I'm kind of veering, veering off that we usually do this, but that's how I'm looking. You know, just, Justin Fields yeah. to me is an elite option. And then outside of that, you're talking about the same mid-tier guys I was just talking about before ahead of Stroud. Dell, you stole my second guy. You stole both of my guys. And I, I did this last week where Purdy was ranked like QB 7, 8, 9. And I said, no, this guy's going to be the number one QB this week. I get the same feeling about Fields. Wherever he is in the consensus rankings, I have Justin Fields as my number one quarterback this week because of the rushing like that. that we've seen. It's just a screen pass game. And a DJ Moore turns a screen into a huge gain. That's really all the offense they have from the passing perspective. But... Justin Fields has been doing what he normally does where he stays in the pocket for too long and invites pressure. But the problem is Detroit cannot create pressure with the defensive line. And Justin Fields against this very Detroit team in his first game back rushed for over 100 yards. He also put up 59 rushing yards in the next game. And now he's had another week to prepare for this Detroit team that's kind of hasn't been the best they've been. Jared Goff did give a lot of turnovers to the Bears last week, giving Fields a short yard, uh, a short yard to the end zone a lot of times. I have Fields really having a huge week, a fully healthy roster for the first time in a while in Chicago. And I like Justin Fields to be the QB one this week, um, a must start, a hammer start, especially in daily fantasy. I think Justin Fields a big winner. We're, we're, we're in sync so far on the quarterbacks. Yeah. We could mean really good things here. And, and the Lions defense is absolutely God atrocious. awful. They are atrocious. terrible. They 31st out of 32 teams in ESPN's run stop win rate. Their bottom yeah. five in pass rush win rate. Their bottom seven in PFF coverage rate. They're not doing anything well. It's great for fantasy. If you got Lions players, they're constantly in shootouts because of how bad their defense is. And Justin Fields has now had three straight 100-yard rushing games against this same Detroit Lions team. Yeah, this awful. is the this is the team that you want to face if you're a wild card in the NFC. 
come playoff time, Tony, I don't know how you'd feel about it, but if I was a Packers fan and they're fighting for a wild card spot, I would actually want to play the Detroit Lions in the first round because I think they're the one team you can beat and upset. The one thing I will say about those Packers is the offensive coordinator for the Bears comes from the Matt LaFleur uh, world, and he saw how much Jordan Love and that Packers team really did whatever they wanted to against this Detroit Lions team on Thanksgiving. And why? Why has Green Bay seen such, such success over the past few weeks? It's because they are using the play action to uh, over and over and over again. And it's really opening up the quick reads that Jordan Love needs to do to make that offense tick. And I think Luke Getze will look at that and say – try to incorporate that a little bit more into the offense. Even though Justin Fields has struggled with play action and reading recognition in the early weeks this season, I think against this Detroit Lions defense specifically, if they want big plays to guy like guys like Mooney, I think play action is going to unlock a lot of things here. Again, I got Fields as my number one, but let's move on to the running backs, Dell. Uh, I got some guys here. If you steal them, I mean, if we're in sync, we've never done this before. Two for two so yeah. far. Who's the first running back you want to talk about? You know, we still got two teams on by this week. Um, so you can't use a James Conner, for for example, at running back. Uh, also oh, I, here – I will say before before you go, Dell, people yeah. should listen up because last week you gave out Isaiah Pacheco. He was RB8 for the week also. Tough injury for them in Kansas City. But the two RBs that you sold on, Brees Hall and Devin Singletary, finished RB32 and 33. So you were right on the money with these RBs last week. Yeah, uh, I think that when I'm looking at the running back ranks this week, uh, there's a lot of injuries that are happening. If, if, yeah. If Clyde Edwards-Jolaire is available on your waivers, I know he's kind of been the running joke of fantasy football the last couple of years, but you got to add him now. Uh, he's got a chance to be the bell cow back for the Chiefs for the rest of the season. There's a possibility that Pacheco might go on injured reserve, same shoulder injury he was dealing with last uh, last year as well. So, yeah. and, and the Chiefs, uh, you know, their schedule isn't too bad for fantasy purposes. At least they got some really easy opponents coming up on the schedule that could lead to some positive game scripts there. So, Clyde Edwards. Kyder Rizalera, I think, is a sleeper already this week because I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure he'll be ranked in like the RB20s range. I'm going to talk about a couple guys outside the 20s. I think if you got a running back right now, there's been so many injuries this year. There's bad weather games, tough matchups. If you've got a running running back that's in the consensus top 20, you're, you're pretty much starting him this week. I don't want to go that, 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 that high into that this, year, this week. Right, well, let's, let's hear what you got on that. But what I will say is that uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list off uh, two guys – uh, I'm going to go with Chuba Hubbard with the Panthers and DeAndre Swift with the Eagles. Ooh. I think that this Dallas defense, that, first of all, Dallas hasn't been a team with a, with a winning record all year. Uh, and people are anointing them as like the number two Super Bowl contender in the league. I don't understand that at all, even though Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb have been fantastic this year. I think that this Eagles offense gets right here. I'm not saying they're going to win. I think it's going to be a shootout. DeAndre Swift's coming off the top. Toughest matchup he's had all year against San Francisco. He's fully fully healthy after that scary late hit towards the end of the game. I think this is where he gets right. He's involved in the passing game. And Dallas can be had both through the air and on the ground. So I think that Swift consensus RB21 is way too low for his workload in that Mm. offense. I've got him as my RB10 on Mm. the week, uh, right sandwiched in between Tony Pollard and Travis Etienne. And then Shuba Hubbard, this this Saints running defense has been absolutely gashed for the yeah. last month. And we saw the change uh, in philosophy and scheme here with this offense is since they got rid of Frank Reich, since they started changing the way they call their plays, they've completely shifted over to Chuba Hubbard from Miles Sanders. And here we go again, where we get a, a defense that's historically over the last couple of years been really good stopping the run in the Saints. We saw that last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We were supposed to have a good run defense. Chuba Hubbard, 25 carries, 104 yards. Yeah. Uh, Miles Sanders in the doghouse there. I, I really like Chuba Hubbard here to continue uh, running well that, because they know they need to rely on the ground game 
and take more off Bryce Young's shoulders here. So I've got Chuba Hubbard ranked as my RB18. Consensus has him at RB25. I think he's a very solid start this week in Week 14. I like that. I I I, I do agree with that. That I think that's a uh, the the thing that kills me about Carolina is I did take them to win that game last week against Tampa Bay, and there were so many ways they could do it, and they didn't. So it left a bad taste in my mouth. But from your perspective, you're absolutely correct. Chuba should be getting the start there in your uh, in your fantasy lineup. So what I wanted to bring up for my first running back is a guy that you said if you have an RB and that's uh, consensus ranked in the top twenty, you're going to be starting him, and I disagree because. It's really hard here because this guy right now, consensus ranking, he's RB6. And I'm saying if you have a guy that you feel comfortable <laughs> with on your bench, I would sit him. And this is tough because this guy has won fantasy leagues year after year after year. He plays fantasy, probably a fantasy football darling. Like if we had to annoy yeah. a guy that is like the he, player he's that first is. First ballot Hall of Famer, Tony. First ballot Hall of Famer yeah. in the uh, uh, Fantasy Football Hall of Fame. But I'm very worried about Austin Eckler and the Los Angeles Chargers. Not only has his past few games been really, really bad, Los Angeles Chargers altogether have been a bad uh, offense. And it looks like that they're getting a juicy matchup against the Denver Broncos here. But I do have to say, Denver the past few weeks, it's not the same Denver that gave up 70 points uh, to the to the uh, Miami Dolphins. It's a Denver defense, especially against the run, that has stamped things down. Guys like Damian Pierce was 15 rushes for 41 yards. Jerome Ford had a better day, nine rushes for 65, but that's behind an offensive line that the Chargers just do not have. Uh, Alexander Madison, 18 rushes for 81 yards. It's just a, a lot of teams have been struggling to move the ball on the ground against Denver recently in this resurgence that they've had. And the thing that worries me the most about Austin Eckler specifically is Brandon Staley's quotes in his uh, uh, press conferences this week leading up to this game. You always have to listen to what the coaches are going to say because when a guy is struggling and you hear them say like, well, you know, Austin Eckler's our guy. We got to get him back in action. Then you jump in on Austin Eckler because coaches tell you the truth in these press conferences if you read through the lines. But Brandon Staley's quote specifically, and I'm going to read him off about Austin Eckler leading up to this game. He said there's going to be a competition for carries. It's going to be something that you can see happening. We're going to keep exploring, making adjustments so that we can find the rhythm that I've been talking about. And on Austin Eckler specifically, he says, we know that Austin is a good running back. We just haven't found any rhythm the past couple of weeks in the run game. AKA Austin has not given them any rhythm and they will be looking for rhythm in the upcoming games with a competition for carries. Austin Eckler has not been the volume guy in LA all season long. And I fear right now, even worse, it's going to be less and less snaps, less and less time on the field for Austin Eckler. While Staley, who is an idiot, tries to figure out what to do here. If you think Brandon Staley is going to make the right decision and play his best running back 100% of the time so he can figure out the valley that he's in, that is wrong. Brandon Staley's an idiot. He's going to throw guys out there that don't deserve to be out there in an attempt to give some life to this offense. <clears throat> I would be completely comfortable sitting Austin Eckler, even though he's a guy that I probably drafted in the first round. I might even have my team named after him. I'm sitting Austin Eckler if I need this week for the playoffs, but that's me. That's, That's just me. I, I like the call, and, and it's honestly he's consensus RB six, like you said. I've got him right in that range too, because but it, it's it's based off that name brand value, and you're absolutely right. This Denver Broncos defense isn't one that you can pick on anymore. They're not elite by any means, but they're not no. a they're not a walkover type of matchup. And I think that Joshua Kelly absolutely deserves to be uh, a stash at least at the end of your bench. He's shut. He hasn't had the greatest performances either earlier in the year because you talked about how bad the offensive line, the run blocking's been. But it's he's a at terrible least, offensive line. He's got a little bit more juice than Eckler. Uh, and the thing that's always kept Eckler afloat, even though he hasn't been the greatest rusher, is the the target volume. But Keenan Allen should be in, uh, 
a, a week healthier going into this week too. Uh, how much are they going to need to really throw against this Broncos offense that I don't know how much they can push the Chargers either. So I, I, I like the call there. Uh, the question is, who are you starting above uh, Eckler? Yeah. Because you know, then you start to get into some wishy-washy type of territory here. I'm going to go one deeper sleeper here. I talked about two guys in the consensus top 20 uh, with Swift and with Hubbard. I actually like a guy in the 30s I think could wind up being uh, a little bit of a league winner if we get the right layout the next couple weeks here. And it's Keaton Mitchell, rookie running back with the Baltimore Ravens. We saw before the Ravens week 13 by, it's been two weeks now, is that he essentially rivaled Gus Edwards in a 50-50 timeshare in that backfield. He actually wound up playing more snaps and getting more touches in that last game. Nine carries for 64 yards, also had two targets for 25 yards. So we're talking about almost 90 all-purpose yards double-digit touches now. This is now two out of the last four games for Keaton Mitchell. He's had double-digit touches. I think that, you know, we see that post-buy rookie bump, like they like to call it, where these rookies get more acclimated with the playbook, more acclimated with pass blocking. The coaches trust them more. And this guy's got a 99th percentile 40-yard dash time. He can absolutely fly. One play from Keaton Mitchell is all you need. We've already seen that with back-to-back touchdowns in Week 9 in week 10. So if you're desperate for a flex option with high upside this week, I wouldn't mind Mitchell. I've got him ranked right around my RB 30 mark, but I think he's got the type of upside, the type of offensive environment where just in a couple weeks time, you could see him being ranked in the top 20, top 15, if all things go right. So stash him if he's on waivers. And if you're desperate, I think he makes for a solid play this week. Uh, the guy you you said it before you went on to. Uh, I agree with that, Mitchell. I mean, that's a great stash if he's still available in your leagues. But the guy that I would feel comfortable starting over Eckler that I know is on everybody's bench and will be planning to ride the bench. And this is based on the health of uh, uh, of the player heading into Monday night. And you always got to wait for that, which is tough. But any uh, either AJ Dillon or Aaron Jones for the Green Bay Packers, I believe right now, even though Aaron Jones has returned to practice here with that MCL injury, I believe Green Bay uh, kind of saves Aaron Jones for later on. They can beat this New York Giants team without Aaron Jones. So I would feel comfortable starting AJ Dillon in this spot. I think he's still going to get the volume of that workload, even though it's a 60-40 split, even when he's playing with guys that are practice squad running backs behind him. Green Bay likes to split their running backs. I still think 60% of the snaps for A.J. Dillon against this specific Giants team that loves to send the blitz but does not do too well against the run. And I do think the play action needs to work for this Green Bay offense to be successful. And if they start sending the house against Jordan Love, who has performed pretty well against a pretty decent offensive line in the passing game, they're going to need A.J. Dillon to do some stuff in order to be able to have a good offense and beat Tommy DeVito in the New York Giants. So I think it's going to be a big A.J. Dillon bell cow day, and I think it's a lot of carries for him, a lot of chances for him, a lot of plays out of the backfield for him catching the ball, and they're going to rely on him to win this game. And I as a Green Bay fan, I don't believe that's great. I don't love A.J. Dillon as a Packers fan, but for fantasy purposes, volume specifically, I think A.J. Dillon is a great play this week, and that's the second running back I'll give out. That is a gutsy move, Tony. I've got A.J. Dillon RB20, uh, seven spots ahead, so I'm actually pretty bullish on him myself. Yeah. Uh, would you start Clyde Edwards-Elaire over no. this week? No. I, 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 I've I seen all I can out of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That Kansas City, I mean, I, I do like running against this Buffalo team, but that Kansas City offense is really sputtering at this point, and I think 
it's going to be such a, I, I think Buffalo comes out and this is their season. They must yep. win this game yep. and they're going to be doing all the Buffalo isms that you see. Josh Allen is going to be Superman. And I think Kansas city is going to have to score points to make, uh, to, to win this game. And I don't think they can do that by giving the ball to Clyde Edwards Hilaire a lot. He's going to catch some balls. I'm sure he might get a, you know, a Jarek McKinnon type touchdown in the red zone that could save it, but I don't feel comfortable starting Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I think it's right. a, a, a very risky move. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I, it'd be hard for me to bench Eckler, but the the, the arguments are there for it. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I got no problem benching Eckler. Let's move on to the wide receivers, though. Dell, this is I told you how well you did in the uh, running backs last week. The wide receivers, man. I mean, you wear the crown on this one. Uh, you gave out Debo, who was, uh, I believe, wide receiver one on the week. I don't think you can get much better than that. And then your second wide receiver was Nico Collins, who was wide receiver four on the week. So again. You killed it, and you told people to stash Noah Brown, who didn't have a huge game, but again, with Tank Dell's injury, should be a really a really healthy play for a flex position in those fantasy playoffs if you did get Noah Brown. And by the way, if Noah Brown's still on your waiver wire, go add him right now. So let's dive into the wide receivers, Dell. You are, you're on a hot streak here. Who's the first wide receiver we're talking about? <laughs> well, we'll keep it on point here with Nico Collins. I'm fading Nico Collins. I'm finding every which yeah. way to bench him this week against the New York Jets. We talked about the weather. It applies to the wide receivers here, too. Yeah. Uh, they, they might have the best defensive back group in the league, Sauce Gardner-Johnson. Again, like we're talking about, it's not like Sauce Gardner-Johnson is going to be on Nico Collins shadowing him. That's not what, what NFL defensive backs really do anymore these days. But, you know, you, you might see him maybe half the game, a third of the game. It could be enough. And they've got some other talented guys on the other side of the field there, too. So, uh, I've got Nico Collins. Look, you might not be able to bench him, right? Like I've got consensus has him wide receiver 19. I think that's a bit too high in, in a great matchup. He could be top five, top 10 easily, but this is the, the one matchup where wide receivers continue to fail week after week. I've got him at wide receiver 30, right around yeah. the likes of Garrett Wilson, yeah. Jacoby Myers, Zay Flowers. Uh, you know, I, I, I'd rather start Garrett Wilson, I think, over Nico Collins, despite how much difference the quarterback play is going to be, because I think the Jets could be trailing. And I think you can exploit the Texans secondary as opposed to the Jets secondary. So that's my number one bust for the week at wide receiver after a great week last week. And unfortunately, we might see it again in two weeks with Stroud and Nico because they're on the road, I believe, at Cleveland. Not as yeah. tough as the Jets for passing, but still a very tough matchup there as well. And as you said, the weather matters. I'm going to talk about the yeah. weather in a second. But before we get there, uh, I want to talk about a guy that I'm buying this week. And this is a tough one because it's just an unsexy name. And if you go into the week, like, you know, you're sitting there, game's about to kick off at 1 p.m. Eastern time, and you see your lineup and you see that player, you're like, did I really start this guy? But I think... I think it's a must start, and it's it's the guy that we expected as Pittsburgh Steelers fans, George Pickens, to be this year, and it's Cortland Sutton of the Denver Broncos. Cortland Sutton has scored a lot of his points based on touchdowns. I believe he has touchdowns in nine of his 12 games or something. like. It's a ridiculous how many touchdowns he has, and that's where a lot of this plays come from. All he really does is he it's a go route, and Russell Wilson floats it up there, and Cortland Sutton just big bodies the defensive back and comes down with the ball. He is excellent at contested catch rate. I think Cortland has a huge week this week against the Los Angeles Chargers who cannot cover anybody. They cannot cover anybody. And I think Russell, who has who struggled last week in passing the football, I do think he relies on Cortland Sutton a little bit more. And I'd be okay 
playing the lottery ticket of Cortland Sutton. I think he finds the end zone. I think he gets his normal four catches for 60 yards and a touchdown. I think it's a really good, solid floor play if you're looking for wide receivers to start. He's one spot behind me or one spot ahead of Nico Collins in those expert consensus rankings. And I do think he flirts with top 10 ability as a wide receiver this week. I'm all aboard Cortland Sutton and the Denver Broncos. Who's your second wide receiver, Dell? Yeah, I like the sudden call. I like the matchup. He's been top seven. He's been seventeenth or better in half PPR scoring in four out of the last six weeks. So, uh, and the touchdowns are on the fluke. He's got the size. He's got the trust of Russell Wilson. So, anytime they're down there, Russ is absolutely going to be looking for him. Probably too much, but for us in fantasy, that's a good good thing and not a bad thing. There. Yeah, so, nine nine out of twelve games, he scored a touchdown. Yeah, uh, I've got him ahead of Cooper Cup. I've got him ahead of uh, Calvin Ridley this week, ahead of the aforementioned Nico Collins. So I like Cortland Sutton. I got him at wide receiver 21. Um, I'm, I'm going to go back to the well on Devonta Smith. Uh, again, like he's a guy where, you know, maybe in 10 team leagues, you're considering you got some other options. But I think that wide receiver 17 is a bit too low for me. I got him at wide receiver 10. Sandwiched right mm, in between Michael, Michael Pittman and Mike Evans. I got them, those three in that group, 9, 10, 11 with Devonta Smith there, right next to the 49ers wide receivers. Who I, I really like Debo again. I'm not going to talk about him again. I'm yeah. right in line. I think Debo's in for another huge game because the Seattle plays zone defense at a very yeah. high rate, and those are the type of defenses where Debo really likes to run rough shot against, both through the air and on the ground. But I'll stick to Devonta Smith here. Dallas Goddard, yes, is coming back, and we know the splits are better with Devonta when Dallas Goddard is off the field. However, we saw what DK Metcalf in the Seattle offense was able to do through the air against Dallas a week ago. Again, like they, yeah, Deron Bland has all these touchdowns, but he's not been an elite cover corner by any means this year. No. They don't really have anyone that can shut anyone down. Even obviously, like last year, all all the picks with Javon Diggs, but he still gave up production. They don't have him now either. So this secondary, I think, is taking even a step back from a year ago. So you can absolutely beat them through the air. I think Philly will need to throw the ball because Dallas's offense is the one thing that's doing very well for that team right now. And they're going to push the Eagles in order to keep the pace up and score points in this matchup. So I think Devonta Smith is a guy where uh, I told you last week, I was on the verge of like needing to make a trade for a tight end. And I was, should I trade away DK Metcalf or should I trade away Devonta Smith? I could play hindsight 2020 and think, Oh man, yeah. I traded away the wrong guy, but I think I'd still rather have Devonta Smith than DK Metcalf for the rest of the year. Maybe it's more of a coin flip between the two, but we've seen the targets be there for Devonta. Eight or more targets in three straight games. Had 11 targets, nine catches uh, last week uh, against the San Francisco 49ers. So in a tough matchup like that, I I think he does even better. And as teams continue to try to take away A.J. Brown out of this offense, Devonta will continue to be the beneficiary of that. So I really like Devonta Smith for this week and for the rest of the season. So you don't agree with uh, David Carr when he says Marcus Mariota should be starting to get the best out of this Philadelphia offense? You, you're not you're not in the same mindset there. I mean, yeah, Derek. Carr, I mean, Derek Carr, David Carr, they're both terrible NFL quarterbacks. I I think he was taking a little out of context talk, talking about Hertz's injury, but yeah, I'm yeah. not. He's an idiot. He's an idiot. Middle, middle name. You can go Duke to your for, Sean McDermott locker room motivational speech yeah. instead of that one there. <laughs> middle middle name's Duke for a reason. Uh, the second wide receiver I want to talk about, this is a guy that I'm flat out selling, and I guess I'm just uh, attacking fantasy football Hall of Famers here. Uh, but you almost brought it up, and we've talked about the weather. That ball, uh, That Rams game is going to be such bad weather, and I believe it's time to sit the man known as Cooper Cup. If you have this guy, you've drafted him early, you've been waiting for him to come back from that injury where he went to Minnesota to get you know new age uh, uh, treatment on his hamstring or whatever it was, he came back, he had a little bit of a run, and then he got injured again, and now it's he's playing, 
but they're really not drawing up the plays for him like they used to. They're really focusing everything they can, Sean McVay, on Puka Nakua and getting other guys open. And Cooper Cup has really been, he's still getting some targets, but he's really been just sort of a, a distraction point. He has not topped. 48 receiving yards in six straight games and in four of those games he's had seven targets or more so it's not like he's not getting looks over there it's just not clicking the way it used to be clicking in los angeles so so you're saying you're saying he's the adam Thielen of the los angeles rams tony i'm sadly (laughs) saying that i'm sitting i don't trust if i am in a do or die matchup this week and i must win Yes. I am not trusting Cooper Cup to get it done in this weather against that Baltimore team in the current system that Sean McVay is running. I, I I would rather have Puka over him, obviously, but I'd rather have a lot of other players that don't have the sexy name that Cooper yeah. Cup has. He's probably your keeper. If we're talking dynasty or anything like that, you built your whole team around Cooper Cup, and he likely won you a championship if you had in the past few seasons. But this week in particular – you got to kill your darlings here, and I think I'm sitting Cooper Cup if I need to win this week, and that's that's my bust of the week from the wide receiver position. Any one more wide receiver you want to talk about, Dell? Well, the 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 weather is going to be just as bad, if not worse, there in Baltimore. So I agree with you 100. percent I think that yes, it's tough to say because the sample size is so big with Cup and so small with Puka Nakua. But if I had both on my roster and I needed to start one. Uh, right now, technically, I've got him back to back, but I think if you know guns ahead in a fantasy decision, I'd probably have to go Puka Nakua because the upside that he's shown, even though he's been a little banged up the last couple of weeks, I, I I would prefer to bench both of them to be honest this week. I yeah. know Puka was really good last week, but I don't know if I trust that Rams the offense thing, on the road. I, I don't I don't trust it either. But if I had to pick one, it'd be Puka, not just because I uh, uh, the trust is there, but also they're they're running. Uh, 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 they're running um, like um, the quick option run routes with him, like, you know, the, yeah. the RPOs with him, like they're using Puka in so many other ways that they used to use Cooper Cup in. Yeah. And now it's it's all about Puka. So, yeah, it's yeah. a tough one. But it's do you have a, a bust yeah. of the week or a sleeper of the week from the wide receiver position before we move on to tight Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I know. I, I talked about uh, – here's, here's uh, two things real quick. I'm going to talk about a guy. I think Gabriel Davis has some really sneaky upside here. We know what the floor is with Gabriel Davis, but he's quietly had the biggest usage of his career over the last three weeks. Look at the target uh, target volume from Gabe Davis. Now look, week 11, two weeks ago, zero catches, zero targets, did a great job blocking if you get points for wide receiver blocking in your leagues. But <laughs> coming off that game against Philly, pass funnel secondary, 12 targets, six catches, 100-plus yards, had the touchdown as well. Uh, one thing I want to uh, point out here, I heard this on uh, Underdogs, Josh Norris on their fantasy football podcast, is that secondary wide receivers facing the Kansas City Chiefs have done extremely well, this year, you, you look at uh, about five or six different teams where they've been really good defending wide receiver ones, which I think they might do a good job of at least limiting, containing Stephon Diggs. But Gabriel Davis, the Bills need to rely on him in order to, like you said, this is a must-win game. This is their season here. And you can't tell me a guy coming off 12 targets, 100 yards, and a touchdown it isn't going to get the opportunities here in this game. So again, you you benefit from the added attention to Stefan Diggs. And I think Gabriel Davis has shown before, man, that famous four touchdown game in the playoffs came yeah. against these same Chiefs. Totally different defense, mind you, but we know the upside is there. So if, if you got to know your situation. Do you need safety in week 14? 
or do you need that that big score to help be the X factor? Because if you do, we know that big score for Gabriel Davis could potentially mean 20-plus points. I mean, just last week alone, uh, in half PPR scoring, he was the wide receiver seven overall. So that upside still applies here in albeit a tougher matchup at Kansas City. Yeah, and, and Kansas City, we talked about the Pacheco injury, but they'll also be guaranteed to be missing their starting safety and also their starting middle linebacker in this game thanks to the injuries that they had last Sunday night. So, yeah, it could be a Gabe Davis game. And I will say, when it comes to you you saying that Kansas City secondary does a really good job shutting down number one ride receivers, they didn't shut down Christian Watson, baby. How about them Packers? <laughs> Let's right. move on to right. the tight ends, though, Dell. Who, uh, who's your tight end of the week? Last week, uh, I gotta say, I gotta do a lot to help out my tight end. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna save my tight end speech for when I go. Who's your tight end of the week? Yeah, so uh, you know we're not gonna have Trey McBride this week. Yeah. Uh, the, the Commanders are also uh, a revelation. Yeah, he's been great. Uh, I, I had trade, I had uh, traded for Mark Andrews in the league. He went on IR, and I picked up McBride. He was just sitting on my bench. It was a dynasty league, so at the time, McBride was still splitting time with Zach Ertz. When I picked him up, I kept him on the bench, but. I'd rather have him than, Mark, than healthy Mark Andrews at this point in the season. That's how good he's been. Uh, but looking at the tight end landscape here, you know, one guy I really like uh, potentially for the rest of the season, depending on how his teammates' injury does. Now, look, this game is tricky, right? Because we we talked about knocking C.J. Stroud, we talked about knocking Nico Collins. Yeah. I think there could be some sneaky upside with Brevin Jordan in this game athletic tight end the one area where you have been able to exploit the Jets passing defense is with the tight end position overall that's actually a plus matchup that's the sixth best matchup of all fantasy defenses tight ends against them are scoring on average 17 percent more fantasy points per game and we see a game last week where he was a fingertip away from having a 20 30 yard touchdown uh, I believe it was in the in the reds or near the red zone in that game where, where he had that drop could have went the other way. Still had five targets, 64 receiving yards in that matchup. Dalton Schultz uh, has already been ruled out. I believe he was ruled out yeah. on either Wednesday or Thursday this week, which means that a nagging hamstring injury for a veteran like that, we could see Brevin Jordan cont continue to be this team's starting tight end. I think he's worth a stash on, on your bench. If you're desperate this week and you need a tight end start with some upside, I could see going there because if we do get bad weather, you know, tight ends can at least – maintains some level of uh you know solidity there with like having those short to intermediate type of safety security blanket targets the matchups aren't that bad week 15 at tennessee and then week 17 at home against tennessee you don't want to start any tight end in week 16 against cleveland but that's the outlook for brevin jory he's an athletic player has had some you know kind of buzz about him since he was drafted a few years back they signed dalton schultz but he's one guy this late in the year where Maybe he hasn't hit his ceiling yet, and you can somewhat capture that in these next couple of weeks in the playoffs. I also will say there are some teams that you just want a piece of that offense heading into the fantasy football playoffs, and the yep. Texans have grown into one of those teams. That passing offense is unbelievable. Um, the tight end I want to talk about, and I almost took a weather tight end myself. I think Isaiah likely has a chance to be a huge yep. game. The Rams do not cover tight ends well, but the weather did scam me away from yep. picking him, so I went with a guy that I <laughs> – I despise Dell, and you've taken him multiple times in this section, and I, I can't stand him. But I need a win here. I went with a tight end last week. I ended up tight end 28. There's barely 28 tight ends that played last week, and I ended up with tw tight end 28. And so I got to pick a tight end that I just think is has such a low floor because of all the things that he does. And it's the – the I hate him. I, I, it's the Swiss Army knife, Taysom Hill. Listen, 
I don't care if Derek Carr is starting. I don't care if uh, Jameis Winston's starting. Taysom Hill is going to be the most productive player in that offense. Rashid Shahid still is not back at practice. Chris Olave is back, but that's the only option that they have. Yeah. Uh, Alvin Kamara is breaking guys' legs on the sideline and then giving him a signed ball like he's <laughs> that's the only thing he can give him. It's it's such a weird team, such a bad offense, such a bad situation. This Panthers defense does do well against the pass, but Taysom Hill is not just catching balls. He runs the ball. He throws the ball. He ca- I think he can get 50 yards in every category this week yeah, because of yeah. how much they need to use him in yeah. this game in order to win. They cannot lose this game. They need to keep up with the Falcons. And I think it's going to be a big Taysom Hill day. So I hate it. I hate it so much. But if I had to start someone, I'm going with Taysom Hill. And I know he's higher in the rankings yeah. and I usually go at this spot, but I think he's a it's such a low floor for him with all the stuff he's going to do. I think he's a guaranteed start. So I'm going with Taysom. That's well, what the floor, I'm doing. The, the, floor is, the floor is low for everybody once you get outside the top. I should say I should say the floor is so high. Like there's no chance this guy does not have the ball in his hands 10 to 15 yeah. times in this game. You know yeah, I mean? like the, the 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 bad outcome for Taysom is like he gets ten carries, but it only goes for thirty yards and no touchdowns. Yeah, and you're not getting much else. But he he had two pass attempts, he had two targets, he had thirteen rush attempts, average yard more yards per carry than Alvin Kamara in that game against Detroit. Yeah. This is it's the, the same play every time. How people not figured this out? <laughs> the Panthers are uh, one of the worst defenses in terms of stopping the run. This year, so and, and another exactly. thing here, uh, uh, one w- one thing to keep in mind is that if Jameis Winston does start in place of Carr, who's suffering with multiple ailments right now, we don't know if he's going to play yet or not. Is that they they might actually need Taysom more in the red zone uh, rather than make Jameis Winston be forced to throw uh, an interception or make a turnover. They might not trust Jameis as much in certain situations. So so you could see more snaps at quarterback for Taysom Hill, which could lead to more rush attempts through the wildcat formation, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I like that call there. I, I think it, 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 unless you have Jake Ferguson, Kittle, Laporta, Hawk, Kelsey, I mean, I got Taysom Hill at six this week. So even, you know, right next to Dalton Kincaid, Isaiah Likely, Dallas Goddard. So I, I think he's almost he's almost a lock start at tight end. So I can't fault you for, for saying him. There's actually a – if you need a deep sleeper this week, this is my last tight end, is that I think there's a, a handful of guys in like the late teens, the 20 range, that I think could have some upside this week. And I really want to focus on some rookies that could still hit their ceiling for the rest of the 2023 uh, season for us. Your boy Tucker Craft in Green Bay. I like what I've seen out of him so far. What I like more is the fact that it's not Musgrave and two other tight ends. It's yeah. now, I'd like Luke Musgrave similarly if Tucker Craft was on injured reserve and wasn't playing, right? I want one tight end getting 90-plus percent of the snaps and the routes in this offense. And Tucker Craft was a very good athlete coming out of a small school in South Dakota out of the draft, and, and I think that he could be a very good tight end prospect in the future. I think similarly for Michael Mayer against the pass funnel Vikings secondary coming off the bye for the Raiders. And then a couple guys in that Colts potential shootout between the Colts and the Bengals, if you're really desperate, I think that you could make viable plays in deeper leagues for both Kylan Granson and Tanner Hudson for both of those teams there. So mm. I just want to – I know you could be desperate at tight end this week. There's some bad matchups on paper for some of these guys in that mid-teens range. Those are some guys that might give you some upside if you're desperate there. I do like Tucker Craft a lot as a Green Bay Packer. There were some quotes that came out uh, from him at the Combine or when he was being recruited at the Senior Bowl, something like that, about how he enjoys blocking someone and pancaking them so because he can hear the breath leave his opponent. And I'm like, dude – 
I want a serial killer as my tight end. I like that a lot. Uh, and I will say, because you brought this up against running against the Panthers, and I forgot to bring this up when I gave out A.J. Dillon as a play this week. I also like A.J. Dillon because, again, Aaron Jones, we don't know when he's coming back, but Aaron Jones, too. That Green Bay schedule in the playoffs for yep. running backs is amazing. They get Carolina next week. The week after that, they get Tampa Bay, who's missing a bunch of linebackers and playing, I believe, their fifth-string linebacker last week. It could be a couple of really good running days for the Green Bay Packers offense, and that's what they want to do, as we saw, in order to have success. So both A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, if they're on your team, don't you? if they're on your waiver wire, don't you dare let them go by. Those guys are going to have big weeks when you need them the most. But let's move on to the defense and the kicker. Dell, last week you gave out Atlanta. Defense number three overall, baby. Thank you, Timmy Boyle. Thank you, Timmy Boyle. (laughs) Who who we got this week for the defense? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm not too crazy about it, but I I actually do like the Minnesota Vikings uh, on the road against the Raiders. I I think that Aiden O'Connell has been a little bit of a sack machine. We do Mm -hmm. know that the Vikings like to apply a lot of blitzes and a lot of pressure here. Uh, They're also coming off the bye as well. You know, they've been top 13 uh, in both, their pass rush grades overall or top 14 at least. So they're middle of the pack, but I think they have some upside here against this. They're really good against the run. They're really good against the run. They're they're good against the run, which is, I like that because I think if the Raiders are forced to throw in this game, that Aiden O'Connell could make some mistakes here. So that's one defense that I like. I've got them inside my top 10. I just want to focus a little bit on some teams that are uh, defenses owned in less than 50% of ESPN leagues. The Jaguars would just drop a ton this past week after what they allowed Jake Browning to do against them on Monday Night Football. Now, just keep in mind, the Jaguars are at Cleveland this week against either Joe Flacco or Dorian Thompson-Robinson. But why you really want to pick up the Jaguars now and stash them on your bench is if you make the fantasy finals in Week 17, home matchup against the Carolina Panthers and Bryce Young. That's one of the most advantageous matchups outside of the New York Jets. Probably the next one that you want to face is either the Giants or the Carolina Panthers, so I'm actively looking to pick up defenses The Pittsburgh defenses Steelers there. with Mitch Trubisky. The Pittsburgh yeah, yes, Steelers yes. with Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, so the, <laughs> C- the, the Seahawks are another defense which has been dropped a decent amount. Uh, they also play against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Week 17 at home, so I, I 100% agree with you. That's a great call there. Chargers are at the Raiders next week. I do like that matchup too. Uh, so those are some defenses strategically. Uh, the Eagles were dropped in a lot of leagues recently, and they're, you don't, you don't want to trust them these next two weeks against Dallas and Seattle on the road. But keep in mind, the fantasy semis, week 16 at home against the Giants, I'll probably have the Eagles ranked either number one or number two that week. So drop the, drop the Steelers DST when you can. Drop the Cowboys. You don't want them for the rest of you. That's a sabotage drop. Allow one of your <laughs> opponents to pick up the Cowboys and get losing points when it most when it matters most. So that's how I'm, I'm approaching DST for these next couple of weeks here. And then the winner, winner, kicker dinner. Who's the kicker of the week, baby? I, I wish it could be Brandon Aubrey every week. I'm going to need to buy myself a Brandon Aubrey jersey for Christmas. I've got him kicker. as my number one kicker, the Dallas kicker this week. You know, one guy I actually like uh, that I've got ranked pretty high this week compared to consensus is Evan McPherson from the Bengals. They're at home. We saw him come up with some clutch kicks. I'm trusting this Bengals offense, Tony, to get things done. I'm trusting Jamar Chase still as a top 10 receiver. Actually, one deep sleeper I was not able to get. So I think that T. Higgins could come around at some point over these next couple weeks. I really like the matchup here against the Colts. I think both defenses are below average, and both offenses play with pace. Zach Taylor, you know, he made his due. He got hired because he was the quarterback's coach for Sean Day for the Rams there. 
And I think he he knows how to handle a guy like Jake Browning and put him in advantageous positions. So I think Evan McPherson, young kicker, talented, has a big leg. I trust the offense here. I like the matchup. I've got Evan McPherson as my kicker seven. He's kicker 15 in consensus. So I think he's a solid pickoff off waivers if you need a kicker streamer this week. I need one more week of uh, Cincinnati offense before I trust them, but I hear you completely because I believe that Jacksonville defense was one of the worst defensive showings I've seen in a long, long time. Trayvon Walker might be the worst first-round pick, the worst first overall pick since Anthony Bennett in the NBA. It's just a disaster over there in Jacksonville from a defensive angle. But Evan McPherson is our winner-winner kicker dinner of the week, and that is it for the Week 15 Fantasy Football Steel Town Sleepers episode. Dell. Thank you so much. I can't wait to talk next week. And I don't, I'm telling you, man, I'm going to argue with you if you want to break down the Steelers game because I think they are <laughs> losers. They are absolute losers. I'm done talking about the Steelers, but that's it for me. Our RIP to Return of the Mac, Tony Cavallo's team in the Post Gazette Fantasy League. So that's all I can say about that. Let's try, besides that league, let's get out there. Let's get some W's this week. Let's clinch those final playoff spots and we'll see you next week. Hell yeah.